Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. On our show today, episode 155, I have a very special guest and a very timely and interesting topic. We are talking to Tracy Franken. She is a dog trainer, and she's going to help us understand what our dogs need from us. So if you are a voice teacher who is welcoming students into your home and you have a pet, you cannot miss this podcast relationships with dogs right here on the full voice podcast hello welcome thank you thank you so much for joining me my friend my colleague wherever you are logging in from wherever you are listening from wherever wherever you're putting your earbuds in and you're running shoes on and going for a run maybe you're taking your pet pooch with you. Maybe you've got a canine friend that is close by as you listen to this podcast. Now, full disclosure, my family, we don't have a dog. Uh, We have two cats. One of them I'm fond of. The other one, I don't know. I think it's plotting against me. Now, we grew up with, my husband and I both grew up with dogs, but just because of our schedules, we haven't had dogs. However, my guest has many dogs. You will learn about how many dogs she has. And she has them uh, because that's her business and her life. And I am so excited. Um, I thought, uh, I've, I've wanted to actually bring Tracy on the podcast for a while because um, even though I don't have a dog, um, her work is so profound. She helps people have better relationships and helps so many families with their dogs. And she's got some great stories to share. And I thought that this was timely because even though many of us may be uh, teaching online and maybe we don't have people coming into our studios right now, maybe we've gone back to in-person, back to online, but things have changed in our homes, in our households. So um, even if you don't teach out of your home, maybe you've noticed some behavior changes with your dog or with your animals just due to the different energy that are happening now with our lives being so up in the air. Well, we're going to talk about that too. So Tracy Franken, uh, her company, um, her business is called Beyond Obedience and the website is beyondobedience.ca. She is going to talk to us about having, uh, having animals, bringing people into our homes, but having animals and dogs, um, uh, as well. So I'm really excited about this. If you, if you have a home studio or if you just have a dog that you'd like to get to understand better, you are in the right place. And I'm so excited. So without further ado, Tracy Franken. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, Tracy Franken, a.k.a. my sister. (laughs) Uh, uh, Welcome, Trace. How you doing? I am good. I am good. How are you? I'm good. We we were discussing before I hit record. I'm like, do we tell people you're related to me? And it was like, do mm, I don't know. But I don't no. know. We normally don't. We, right? tra- we normally don't tell people that. <laughs> um, you know, uh, what's funny is uh, uh, you you have had a lifetime passion with 
animals, specifically dogs. And I have had a lifetime passion with singing and working with kids. So I think it's appropriate. And you actually have a really, uh, well, first of all, I think you have some timely information for everybody. As many of us are working from home, many people have pets. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, but also you have a really interesting story about your first client who happened to be a very busy voice teacher, bringing very people, busy, bringing, yes, <laughs> bringing people into her home and having um, a hard time with her dog. So, uh, but before we dive into that juicy story, uh, why don't you give everybody like just a little bit of background, like how you got started with animals and how you um, developed your company beyond obedience. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, besides the fact that I had to live with you uh, and share a room with you. Uh, <laughs> You're which, welcome. Which I think might have been one of the reasons why I went outside and played with the dogs a lot. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> wow, burn. I put that in there first thing. But uh, <laughs> no, the, the my my love and my passion for, for dogs and animals has always been a part of my life. And we grew up, you and I grew up mm-hmm. with with dogs our yep. whole life. Big dogs, German shepherds mostly. Yep. And uh, I was a very shy little introverted kid. And I preferred to go out and have grand adventures with my German shepherds as opposed to necessarily hanging out with groups of people. So we lived out in the country. Yeah. Or going on stage and singing for people. (laughs) Or going on stage and singing for people. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have such a, a different, I think a different experience and a different childhood in in such extreme ways, you know, because here I was the sister of, of, of Nikki Loney, who was, you know, singing and going on stages and on the radio. And I just wanted to hide out in the field with my dogs and, and, and whatnot. So that has always been my passion. And I, that I carried that passion right through high school. And I'm talking like absolute, I was the nerd on the bus that was reading dog behavior books (laughs) instead of, um, you know, the, the latest, greatest, whatever TV celeb or whatever there was there. I had probably pictures of Lassie in my locker. (laughs) Like That's how extreme the, the passion was. And so for me, the next logical step was to take veterinary technology. Mm -hmm. And I did that for three years. I, I started off as a veterinary technologist, ended up in a research career, which was uh, a heartbreaking uh, journey for me. It really, it really was. And not that I want to get into the, (laughs) I don't want to get into the, the controversy behind that, but I ended up very, very, very early on realizing that my job had become euthanizing dogs as opposed to helping dogs, which was never my job. (laughs) That's no little girl's dream, right? So very soon I realized I can't do this. I remember actually dad saying that to me. I remember dad, I was talking to them on the phone with dad the one day and he was like, you're going to have to quit that job or it will kill you. And, uh, and he wasn't wrong. So that sort of transpired into, you know, me moving away and quitting that job and, and getting some perspective. And eventually I started deciding that the best thing that I can do for people is to help them with their dogs, to prevent dogs from getting into the system of, of ending up in that 
in that situation where they're, they were being euthanized and, and used in research. So I, it's kind of a dark tale in how I got into it, but um, a very important, I think, I think it's what fuels my passion to help more people. I, I feel now that you see a lot of people now who are interested in, in adopting rescues. Do you think that's a good thing? Do you think that's a trendy thing? What are your thoughts? On I, I believe that it, I think people have really great intentions mm. without the background knowledge of what it is that they're getting into. And the unfortunate side with everything, especially with dogs is that there is a, there is a dark and shady side to the rescue uh, organizations. Not all rescues are created equal. And um, as a result of that, uh, people, I think, have lost their perspective of actually what that means to rescue a dog. Not all dogs can be rescued. And I think that is an unpopular opinion. Um, many people will tell you that's not true, right? All dogs can be rescued and it's not the dog, it's the people. That's not true. That's not true. And I have I have in my sort of journey of, of going through and helping people, I, I've really come to realize that although I have a love and a passion for dogs, my actual joy comes from helping the people, the people at the other end of the leash, the people that are struggling with those dogs. And sometimes rescues lose focus on that. They, their big thing is they just want dogs out of the house and, and out of their rescue and into homes without actually thinking about the consequences of that. Is that dog a compatible, you know, dog for that household? And a lot of times they don't even know the answer to that. They just want the numbers to say, we got the dog out. Now we can rescue more. And dogs and people are paying the price for that. Well, thank you for that. I think that's, I think that's a very mindful way of looking at it. And I guess, you know, if you are looking and you want to, you know, adopt a dog, you have to do your due diligence and make sure that you know what you can provide for the animal, but also do your research on where you're getting the animal from. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's advantages and disadvantages to both, right? Mm. The advantage of, of raising a puppy that you have raised since it was eight weeks old, you know all of the baggage, you know what's written on the script of that dog's Right. on that dog's life. Whereas when you adopt a dog, you don't know what, what former training, if any, what former experience that dog has had. So there is a lot of what ifs and a lot of questions there. And if we're talking about, especially, you know, in the case of, of let's say your audience, if you're talking about people trying to bring dogs into their home and perhaps they work from home or they have kids coming into their mm -hmm. space, Deciding on a dog that tolerates children is a huge thing, right? And it shouldn't be overlooked. We never want to put, um, we never want to put our kids in in any harm's way. And a lot of times we can get really clouded in our judgment and going, I really want to rescue a dog, but at the same time, you know, are we actually? putting the thought into, is this actually the best situation for me, my business and the kids that I bring into this space? I'm very passionate about dogs and kids. I'm very, if I have two passions in life, it's, it's my, my, my children and dogs. And the fact that not every, not every dog can be in a house with kids, let alone 
an environment that brings other people's children in. Well, right? and that's that's a huge responsibility, right? Like you're bringing other people's children into any space, Is it not just your home, but I mean, like there, I know some colleagues that will bring their dogs to their studio, right? Oh, you know, and they're like, oh, it's a therapy pet. And that's all well and good unless there's something that goes wrong. So I'm really glad you brought that up. That's very, very helpful. I... um. I wanted to. I wanted you to share your story because uh, I think this is such an interesting story, and of course, it applies completely to my audience. So, you started working with people, helping people um, uh, with their relationships with their dogs, and uh, you started doing in-home consultations. Now, had you started doing them or was, were you, was this a request? You have to come to my home or was this was a request? This is actually, this story was what started the floodgates of all other in-home consultations that I started doing after this. So um, that's why the story is so near and dear to my heart, which I find interesting because I, I think even after I, I got back from that, I think I called you up and I was like, you're not going to believe what I did today. <laughs> and I was like, what, you can't get enough of us singing teachers? You got to go into our homes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And the reason for the reason for the request of me coming to her home was simply that she literally had student after student after student coming into her space. And she's like, I can only give you an hour at lunchtime. So you have to come in in between the students and and help me with the dog. Yeah. So I only had an hour to fix all of her, all of her problems. (laughs) You know, okay. I just want to point out there, I'm going to stop you there. That's exactly what happens to voice teachers. We get people that call us up. They've had a lifetime of singing problems, but they're literally going to give us one lesson. One hour. Fix all their problems. So (laughs) it's nice to know that it's not just us under that pressure. So dog trainers are also coerced into the magic wand lesson. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, yeah, so the the story of, of how I got started in in-home consultations actually started with this wonderful vocal teacher who commuted, actually. She was a professor in both the University of Ottawa and the University of Toronto. And so she was commuting back and forth, and she happened to be, she happened to be on my husband's Greyhound bus. Oh, wow. Yes. So my husband was doing commuter runs from Ottawa to Toronto and she was on his bus. She happened to just overhear him talking to another passenger on the bus about me working with dogs. And I got the strangest email that started (laughs) off. Hi, I'm sitting on a Greyhound bus with your husband. Okay, that's not suspicious at all. (laughs) Right. And I was like, I don't know how to take that. I actually didn't answer right away because of that. I waited till Mark got to Toronto and I was like, um, did anyone ask you for my email on the bus? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. There was this really fascinating lady that was on the bus and asked if she could get your email. So I was like, "Okay." So the story was that she was a vocal teacher and she did. She was very, very busy, but she worked out of her home. She had. A, a little one and a half year old Yorkshire Terrier mix uh, named Cece that 
had started to get progressively worse. Cece started getting protective of her at first and then started becoming like protective of certain people coming into her house. And as a result, started barking and attacking her students as they came in. Now she is, uh, or she was probably about maybe 10 pounds. So you can imagine this little white, you know, fluff and fury just coming at you at the door every time people came in. And it was getting progressively worse to the point where she was biting at, at, at her students. Yeah. So she, uh, she was quite frantic and she said, I need someone to come and help me. And that's how I met my very first in-home client. Cause I, I said, normally people come to me and she's like, I can't do it. I don't have time. I really need you. You have an hour <laughs> to wow. fix this. So, um, I ended up, uh, that's how I went to her house. I showed up at her house and you can always tell as a dog trainer going up to a house, you can always tell that you're at the right house when you ring the doorbell. Right. <laughs> Cause <laughs> you'll you hear, hear it. Bark, 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 bark. You'll hear it coming at you. And I'm like, this must be the place. Now, as I came, stepped into her, her, um, her entrance way, Sure enough, this little white dog comes tearing down just full on like, I'm going to kill you. Right. Oh, my gosh. She literally came out, stopped about two feet from me and looked up at me and then stopped barking and just sat down. <laughs> and you and went, my cl- that'll be $150, please. <laughs> it was like, and thank you. And that was see. it. Yes. Um, and so... Of course, my client there is just absolutely like, what did you just do? What happened? What happened there? And I was like, well, I didn't do anything. And she said, and I I still to this day, if if you ask her, she will say that it was magic, right? (laughs) Oh, Tracy came into my house and it was just magical. I don't know. It's just this magic that happened. And it's not magic, right? I'll, I'll spoiler alert. It's not magic. It literally is conversation and communication. And if you can, if you can picture, let's say you have a, uh, you know, a guest in your house that speaks a completely different language that, that you don't speak that language whatsoever and you're trying to communicate. So you say things usually louder, right. And slower. That's how we do it. We'd say things louder and slower until we think that maybe the, and your guests might pick up on some things, but they're probably going to get frustrated, the moment that that dog came running down to me and my body, I did change my body language. The moment that she saw me, it was like, she went, Oh, somebody speak in my language. And that's all it took. And then after that, it was a conversation with her where I basically said to her, no, you can't do that anymore. Here's the things that we're going to get you to do. And so in a matter of about 15 minutes, we had her sitting on the stoop. I got someone, she had another student that was coming. I got her to go out and ring the doorbell. She barked a couple of times. We told her, don't do that, right? And this sounds really, really simple, doesn't it? I sound like I'm oversimplifying it, but it actually isn't. The, The reality of it for this poor little dog is that she honestly thought that this was her job, right? She honestly thought that, you know, if you, if you look at it from her perspective, strangers are coming into her space every half hour. Yeah. Can you imagine? 
right? Yeah. Can you imagine for a dog what that feels like if you don't understand what your role in this space is? She was like, I gotta, I gotta make sure that I tell people that they're coming. And then people on top of it weren't reacting properly to her. They weren't saying anything back to her. They were probably, I'm going to assume, talking to her in a very high voice and going, oh my gosh, she's cute. Oh my gosh. I mean, she's cute. So they would say things like, oh, right. Make all the high pitch noises and talk to her. Uh, For small dogs, they'd also try to, when she was younger, when she was a puppy, they'd pick her up, right? They pick her up. Oh my gosh, look how cute you are. They pick her up. They put her into her face. They like give kisses. And for dogs, here's a fun fact. Dogs don't actually like kisses. Right? Then, what? Oh no. What? I know. They also don't like hugs. They mm. don't, that's not how they show affection. That's not how they relate to one another. So here is this little dog. She's got terrier in her, right? So terriers. So working dog, right? They're working dogs. Yeah. They're also bred to kill things. That's <laughs> their job. Wow. Right? All terriers, they're bred to kill things. We we genetically program these dogs to be little killers. Mm-hmm. And then we made them small. And us humans, being who we are, we use our hands and we pick up the little terrors. And then we go, ooh, and we kiss their faces. <laughs> okay, I'm going totally off topic here, but I just saw a, a, a really funny meme on Facebook, which is like, you know, cats are the ultimate killing machines and we pick them up and give them snuggles and kisses. They must really hate that. Right. (laughs) Yes, it's true. It's, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, cats are, cats are a whole nother level because they actually torture their kill, but wow, dogs are a little bit, a little bit more kind that way, but our terriers definitely are bred, uh, born and bred to kill things. But we made them small, so we can't help but humanize them. We can't help to, to, and talk about how cute they are. So here was this little dog who thinks her job is, I need to protect this space. Nobody's giving her the, the respect that she thinks she deserves because she's a terrier. She's like, I kill things for a living, and you're all like goo goo gaga over me. And so I'm, just thinking, it, I'm just thinking as a voice teacher, every single student comes into your space and they bring an energy like just like they bring a lot of anxiety or stress or worry and they're nervous like there's just and and if you're working with children oh my goodness like kids pop into your house and they come in they come in maybe with their mom and dad who are also bringing in their energy I mean we just we don't think of that I mean voice teachers do think of that like I assess energy so I know how to handle that student and what exercises but now we're dealing with dogs who are going to pick up on that energy in a different way they're going to pick it up in a more intense way too right because that's their that's their native language they 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 live they communicate on energy and intent Right. So they actually are going to absorb and respond to energy first before even we would. And that's an excellent point when we're talking about kids, too. Right. The 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 vibe and the energy of kids reflects on everything in the house. So is that yeah. Is- Is that why some animals, you know, like going back to the conversation about rescue animals, is that why there is a concern with some dogs and with 
kids families is just because of that energy is just too much for the animal yeah. right is that absolutely what that is? Okay. absolutely one of the hardest things as a dog trainer to do is actually to walk into a, a family space when we recognize that the all the amount of training in the world is not going to change the fact that the energy vibe in this home does not jive with the vibe of this dog. And that's why I say not every dog can be rescued, that not every dog is going to be your dog. And there is there is such a, a horrible um, guilt that people have if if they would have to give up their dog, right? You're a terrible human being if you give up on your dog, but there are certainly situations and families and homes that don't work for certain dogs, right? Really shy, very sensitive dogs are not going to do well in a home-based business that brings children in on a regular basis of different energies, levels of excitement, uh, different, all of that stuff. They're not going to thrive in that environment. And there's things that you can do, sure, we can, you know, there's training that we can do, but there's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily going to change the overall feel that the dog needs to be successful in that environment. I'm just wondering too, from a, like, okay, this is my voice teacher brain, like all the weird sounds that we ask our students to make. And of course you've got pitches high and low that could be stressful too, for an animal. Not only can that be stressful, but it also can elicit prey drive. What? Right. Yeah, absolutely. No. Wow. Absolutely. When you think about the uh, prey drive, and I don't want, I'm not going to get too technical here on the predatory motor pattern, but all dogs have a predatory motor pattern that tells them how to kill things because they're predators. Right. When we play with them, that runs our play that we do actually is mimicking prey drive, right? When we take a ball and we throw it, we ask a dog to chase it. That's they're, they're mimicking chasing prey down when they grab the toy and they shake it. That's them killing it. Right. That's them doing the kill bite and the shake. So when we have, let's say squeaky toys that make that high pitch squeaky noise, that, that mimics the prey struggling to live, the noises that prey would make. So when you think about some of the noises that your kids might be making <laughs> during signing, right? You, you might get a dog that does that head tilt thing you know, where they're like, what was that, right? Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to elicit something in them. It can't. Let me just say it's not going to in all dogs. Here's a, here's a funny thing. So like one of the things I always tell teachers, you know, when you're working with kids and you want to get them to explore voices, like howling hooting yeah. <laughs> meowing like you're literally giving all the animal sounds you know in your studio and your poor aunt your poor dog is your, like your, your poor predator goes over there going, like going um, do i need to kill those things <laughs> what should i what should i do with that and every breed is different obviously right every that's why picking a breed of dog for your life is so important, right? And it's also one of the reasons why I say for certain people, getting a purebred dog or getting a puppy is a better option for you, right? Because you don't know. Some of the, the big thing now is everybody's going out and getting DNA tests for their dogs, right? Finding out the different breeds that are in their dogs. That's a huge thing right oh, now. Geez. So all the mutts that are out there, they're like, oh, this one's 56% Malamute and 2% and you're like, wow, how'd that happen? <laughs> right? <Ew. But laughs> genetics matter, 
right? And if you have, if you have a, a vocal studio in your home, you don't necessarily want a, a high prey driven dog mm. in, in the presence of small kids making <laughs> prey like animal, animal noises. Sounds. Wow. Right. Right. These I never are, even thought about that. Now that you brought that up, I'm like, no, oh, that is a good point. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Like ex- the vocal explorations you can be making uh, hooting, howling, scoops up, scoops down, lip trills, tongue trills. Like there's a lot of cuckoo, cuckoo banana sounds that you make that. I mean, I never thought about that, like with the prey drive and everything. That's really, that's a really good point. I'm so glad you brought that up. So, so you, you, uh, you wowed, you wowed your client. You, you talked to her about, so tell us about what, what the dog's job was. Like, how did you, um, work with the dog so that they had like a task or a job to do? Right. So this was one of the things that we said moving forward was once I wowed her with what was possible, because that's what the thing she didn't realize that was possible. You couldn't stop this dog from biting people. But now all of a sudden, all I had to do was step in front and snap that she was like, this is amazing. But the reality of it is, is that this conversation is a two way street and it's not enough to just train the dog to do something. We also have to start being responsible human beings. Right. So one of the things that we did is we gave Cece a job that her job was she was allowed to alert people like she want. You know, we didn't want to remove her ability to say, hey, just so you know, somebody's here. We just didn't want an excessive amount of barking. So what we did is we you know, when the doorbell rang. She was allowed to run down from her bed down to the one landing. That was where we asked her to stop. I don't want you right at the door because I don't want people tripping over you. We never want a dog to accidentally bolt out of the out of the house, right? So we made that safe. We said, this is your job. Now you come to this landing, you stop. You can bark a couple of times. Then we got your we got <laughs> then we got our client to say, thank you. Oh. Right. Instead of be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, shush, 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 quiet, enough, enough, enough. We said, thank you. And thank you actually reminds us that the dog is doing a job. The dog is doing the most basic of jobs that all dogs do, right? Dogs are, are pack animals. And when there is an intruder coming into your den, into your space, it is the dog's job to alert the pack of a potential threat and danger. So it's important for us to recognize that. So we recognize that and we say, thank you. And thank you now means shut up. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's what that means. Okay. Without us saying shut up. You know now I'm going to look at you someday and I'm going to go, Thank you. And you're going to you. know that I'm telling you. <laughs> yes. Thank or you. I, I'm like, Sean, thank you. Our, yes. Our thing now is I hear you. I hear what you're thank saying. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That when I say to, when I say to Mark, I hear what you're saying. That means I'm like, I don't need to hear anymore. Shut up. Thank right. You. That's what that means. So that's that's essentially what it means for the dog as well. Right. Because okay. we're basically saying and at this point, the conversation is now turned right now. What we're saying to the dog is thank you for doing that job. But I've got this now. This is my job. Right. 
Um, for a lot of dogs, especially with doorway etiquette, uh, it literally is a dog that's just taken their dog job description to a whole new level. They just need it reframed in their mind. Where does my job end and your job begin? So when I come down and I say, thank you, that means, okay, you can retreat now. And then we taught her to go. Now, I like to teach dogs to go on to place. Uh, Cece had a little castle. It was the <laughs> cutest little... <laughs> It was made out of material. It had a dog bed in it. It had the like the, the the drapes and everything. Oh my gosh, it was so adorable. So it so was, we, so she had to retreat back to her castle. To her castle. I love that. Right? Yeah, I know. It was adorable. So we were like, "That's thank you." And then she'd go and she retreat. Now, when the dog retreated back to her castle, then we would invite the student in mm -hmm. and say, you know, take a seat. Lots of times they were there five, 10 minutes early. Right. So they would, they would take a seat at that point in time. If the guest wanted to, they could ask Cece to come down and say hello and greet. And this is, I think where a lot of people go wrong with the greeting, right? Because, um, we quite often just send our dog away. We're like, okay, be quiet and go lie down. Right. But that's not actually the normal repertoire for how dogs normally greet. So if if an intruder and everybody is an intruder until proven otherwise, OK, doesn't matter how many times they've come to your house, doesn't matter that that same girl comes every single time at the same time each week. It's always an intruder until it's proven otherwise. That's how dogs work. If you're not with us, you're against us. OK, so when the doorbell goes and we say thank you and the guest comes in, if we never allow the dog to actually go and formally greet the guest, the dog is always going to be anxious. Right. Because the greeting ritual is such that we bark, we alert, then the person comes in or the, you know, in the case of dogs greeting other dogs, the dog comes into the space. Then they what do they do? They sniff. Right. They do their greeting sniff where they spin around, they sniff each other, they do, you know, they do their head down, head up, all this stuff. That's part of their greeting ritual. And then they decide, okay, you're fine. And then they can go and settle down. What happens when we push our dogs out of the way and we say, you go lie over there, and we don't let them finish the greeting ritual, is the dog stays in an anxious state because they haven't had a chance to actually fully greet the person. So they stay anxious. That makes right? sense. That yeah. Makes, you know what? That makes sense because, okay, I would, I'm just thinking about, you know, how many times I've gone to somebody's house and they've shooed an animal away, which I appreciate. And then they lock, like they close a door or it's in another part of the room, but you can still hear that the animal is agitated and maybe, you you know, you start laughing or something and then the dog barks again or, or they're scratching at a door. Like... I, that is a, I, yes, I've had that happen. And you think that animal is really not happy that I'm here because, you know, they've removed them from the room, but that animal still knows that I, they don't, I, I haven't gotten their approval. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that's and interesting. And, and that's what happens. I mean, we got to witness, we could, a lot of my stuff is based on observing dogs and how they interact with one another. It's one of the best ways to study behavior, Right. And when I ran my daycare, it gave me the opportunity to, to see a lot of interesting behaviors. First and foremost, everybody has to check ID, right? A new dog comes into a space. Everybody has to check ID. 
Mm. And what happens more often than not in our homes is we don't allow that to happen. And the sad thing is, is that the greeting ritual doesn't, you can still decide what the greeting ritual looks like. You can actually design your own greeting ritual. Um, Because people go, well, does that mean I let my dog like run over to my guests and jump on them and smell them and harass them? No, you don't have to do that. You can, you can design your greeting ritual to be whatever it wants, but it has to be, the dog has to have the ability to actually say, Oh, okay, you're cool. And then you'll find they'll just go and lie down. Once mm. it's done, it's done. Then they're they're right? they're relaxed. They know that they've done what they needed to do. That is so interesting. Yeah. And then after that, now if you have a highly energized dog that wants to be everybody's friend, you will then have to give them another job of now your job is to go to place and you, you're to wait there until the guest goes. And usually what I say to people, especially working from home with people coming and going, is that you should allow your dog to do the greeting ritual and also allow them to say goodbye, right? Allow them to say, okay, well, bye, you know, that kind of thing. So that they get this idea that that person came into the space, nothing happened, and that person left and that they were a part of the experience. So one of the big things is to just make sure that that greeting ritual, however you want to design it, at least gets to complete itself. Otherwise, your dog stays in an anxious state of mind, not knowing. And how, I'm just thinking of like your average teacher, you know, you see, you like there's teachers that teach, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people a day. Yeah. So how stressed out would your poor dog be at the end of the day where they've had in and out, in and out, people coming in, making weird sounds, doors slamming, no, 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 go away, blah, blah, blah. Do they like accumulate stress and anxiety? Yes, okay. absolutely. We call it, we actually call that the layered stress layered uh, symptoms, stress. layered okay. stress and symptoms. And this is one of the reasons Layered stress is one of the reasons why we dog trainers will get a call from somebody and they'll say, my dog bit my neighbor out of the blue, didn't, didn't do anything, right? It's just my, he's seen my neighbor, he knows my neighbor, all of a sudden out of the blue, bit my neighbor. And it's never out of the blue. It's always a symptom of layered stress. Because what we'll find out is, let's say on that particular day, the UPS guy showed up in the morning and the dog barked and then the UPS kind of threw the package in and then left. And then you took the dog to the vet for a regular checkup and that's stressful. And then you went to the dog park because you thought, well, maybe I'll just let the dog run around, but there's a dog fight right? And your dog gets stressed out. Then you come home, the dog is uncomfortable because the neighbor's mowing the lawn. It doesn't like the lawnmower. The neighbor turns off the lawnmower, walks over to your dog, goes to pet the dog. And next thing you know, snap. What happened? Layered stress happened. Your dog never had the ability to actually come down off of all of those little incremental stresses that just pop them up that stress level. Every dog has a threshold to bite. Every single dog has a a threshold to bite. And I, is this, is this something where giving them the, their job or giving them their something like their purpose and making sure that they're working in yeah. a, in a productive way, not a productive, that's not the word, you know what I mean? Like in a way that yes, suits absolutely. them. This is, is the reason why alleviates that stress. Is absolutely. That, okay. It gives them their absolute, because now in this, in, in, in a, in a chaotic environment of people coming and going and different energies and people having bad days and kids being upset or whatnot in all of that, the dog knows no matter what's going on around me, my job is to do this. Mm. 
One to be thing. perfectly honest with you, if I wasn't busy, I'd probably be a big stress ball. But that's where I go when I when I have stress. <laughs> like I better work harder, and it yes. serves me just fine. There you go. There you go. And I they're haven't no bitten anyone today. Lately. <laughs> that's hilarious we're hilarious (laughs) (laughs) that is so helpful and i tracy i want to thank you for this um you know i i actually i actually met cc because i was visiting you because you would actually board cc and by board i mean cc just went and lived with you guys cc lived with us yes once once we once we wowed once we wowed uh, this particular client, she, she went away every single weekend to go to Toronto to teach out of Toronto. And she said, I just want her to stay with you guys. She only trusted us. So we literally went every single Friday, we'd pick her up and then we'd drop her back off on Monday and she'd spend her weekends with us. And we did that for a, a number of years. So she was a part of our pack. I, and I remember meeting her. She, like if you had told me that she was attacking and biting people, I would have been like, no way. She's no the sweetest way, little fluffy dog I've ever met. But, but, but again, then that's the thing. Right. And I, I, I just want to share some things with you because I, because of you and because of, you know, you're always talking and you demonstrate such great, you know, training and behavior and you really understand animals. I have, I get worried, especially say like if Noah's playing baseball and we go to a game because people bring their dogs, right? It's a thing, right? Right. Out, yeah. Any outdoor sports, well, people bring their dogs to everything now. But you can tell when a dog is stressed out. Yeah. And I have taught my son to stay away from that dog and that dog and that dog because a I can tell that the animal is stressed out b I can tell that the owner is not reading it properly <laughs> completely disengaged completely from it completely disengaged from it you know like and like also the energy you know at sports games you got kids running around you got people screaming well me screaming at my son <laughs> You know, because his base yeah. running is like, what are you doing? And you're that mom. I'm, you're that baseball mom. Oh, my gosh. Tracy, I'm not only that baseball mom. I'm that baseball mom that has vocal training and can yell louder than all the other moms. <laughs> like, that's I'm that mom. But but like that is such a that's such a stressful like I'm stressed. The kids are stressed. There's this energy. You've got dogs that are like you know and some of the dogs are amazing they just sit there and they're fine and they're well adjusted but I mean there were a couple of like you know rescue dogs that came to a lot of the games and it was like that is a problem waiting to happen and I just we just dangerous yeah to be perfectly honest with you it is it is dangerous and you know, some of the, some of my, my students that are in my programs have, have written to me and they said, ever since taking your program of reading and understanding dog body language, I can't ever unsee it now. And it's everywhere. And I'm like, I know, I know it's dogs screaming for help everywhere. I see it all the time. People taking their dogs, people taking their dogs to fireworks. Why, why would you do that? What, what benefit does that have to the dog, right? 
And I, 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 I'm always in awe of, of what I see, what people put dogs through, how tolerant they actually are. They actually are. Um, you know, when we get the statistics of dog bites and the amount of people, you know, different dog breeds that bite and all of that stuff. And people are always like, oh my gosh, dog bites are on the rise. I'm like, I don't, I actually look at dogs now and go, I'm surprised we, you don't bite us more often. <laughs> Right. Like we I deserve you don't just like the mouth that they tolerate because we hold dogs to a standard that we don't even hold ourselves to. Right. We expect dogs to like every single person, every single kid, every single dog. They can't attack cats. They can't chase the squirrels. They can't do all this stuff that's genetically programmed in them. But we don't have that. I don't like every single person I meet. I get frustrated if I'm in an environment where, where kids are screaming and yelling and whatnot, but yet we'll take a dog into that same environment and expect them to be better than we are. Hmm. You know, I used to, I just did a little pet peeve rant here. We used to have a street festival in Hamilton where we used to live and it literally is a street festival, like no grass, no park. It was on the street. They closed the street and it would be packed with people and dogs. And I was just like, this is absolutely ridiculous. There's no place for them to go to the washroom. There's no place for them to go. And there'd literally be thousands of people. It was a sea of people. And I'm just like, why would you bring your dog here? Like, what is the purpose for your animal to be here? They can't like... And if you were to put a GoPro camera on their head, they literally, it would just be a constant sea of things and children being at eye level, right? And I remember I remember Noah was like three and I was holding his hand and I turn around and right in his face was like a, like a hound, greyhound type dog. And the, and the owner was annoyed that my child was so close. I'm like, did you notice the thousands of people on the street here? Like, really? I'm sorry. Did my child come close to your dog at this street party for people? <laughs> yeah, I'm always I'm all about having a life of inclusion with your dog. It's one of the things that I think is is the greatest gift that I give people. But a life of inclusion with your dog has to also have the responsibility of the human to say, what's in it for the dog, right? If I'm going to take my dog to an event, what's in it for the dog? Is this something that they are actually going to enjoy and benefit? Or is it just me trying to be like, look at me and my dog? Because a lot of it's just look at me and my dog. Look at me and my dog. Yeah, that's all it is. Right. We didn't even ask the dog or earth and people will say, well, my dog doesn't like being kept at home. Do they want to be in a festival? Probably not. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, well, and you, um, bring, you bring up a really good point because I mean, right now there's a lot of people who, you know, COVID dogs, right? We're all at home. You know, the family's at home. We're learning remotely. The fa you know, we're working from home. It's a great time to get a dog. And for training and stuff, I would say yes. But what's going to happen when you, you know, maybe you aren't at home as much or the kids do go off at school? I mean, is there a retraining of the dog? Like how, how would somebody manage that? You know, the there is a ton of of talk about that now where dog trainers are calling them COVID dogs, 
right? And the biggest concern with COVID dogs is simply that uh, with everybody being at home, we are not actually taking the time to teach the dog how to be by themselves. And that's a skill they actually have to learn. These are pack animals, right? It is not natural for them to be left alone. It is, it is something that we have to train them. Crate training is actually training, right? They don't like to be segregated from people or other dogs, but we have to train them to do so. And what happened in this last couple of years is one, people got a lot of dogs and their first thought, I mean, it was a, it was a good thought at first, right? I'm home now. I now have the time to spend with the dog. It sounds great on paper. The problem with it was, is that that's not really why people got the dogs, right? We got the dogs to help us feel better, right? We were all anxious. We were all feeling insecure. We were all not knowing what was going on and who doesn't want a fluffy dog to hug. They were basically distractions of our pain and suffering. They are, but they also became unknowing to them, emotional support animals Mm. for us, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big burden, right? They were now in put in a place to help, you know, help us deal with things we didn't even know how to deal with ourselves. So now we have dogs where we're around them all the time. We're putting all this emotional energy on them of like, oh my gosh, there's so much chaos and everything's going on. And then when we now have to go back, when we have to go back out into the world, what happens to those poor dogs that are now emotionally dependent upon us to be around all the time? Right. We didn't train them on how to be by themselves. We didn't give them that sense of of security where they can say, you're fine on your own. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Because we weren't fine on our own. That's right. How can we even teach it? We don't even know what (laughs) we we were doing. So there is a ton of dogs right now that, um, you know, are are going through huge adjustments with, you know, kids going back. And I, I mean, depending on where you live, kids are going to school and then not going to school and then going to school and then not going to school. Uh, parents are going to work and then not going to work. Like nobody knows if they're coming or going. So uh, their pattern of predictability for the dog is shattered. And that's why we end up with dogs that are anxious Uh, have, um, they, you know, can't handle being by themselves. They are destructive. Um, It's an alarming rate of of dogs that are actually on medications like Valium, Prozac. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, gosh. Good Lord. Yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, I, I looked at COVID as an opportunity for people to really connect and bond with their dogs in, mm-hmm. in a unique way, right? It gave us the ability to take some of the stresses off of going out and socializing with all these other dogs, which is quite often done wrong. That's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. I'll have you back. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it, it allowed people to actually to come in and actually build a relationship between you and your dog that doesn't revolve everyone else, right? So those festivals where you're just showing off your dog for the sake of showing off your dog, now it allowed you to actually connect and bond with your dog on a deeper level if that's what you chose to do. So many things. COVID dogs now is a thing. Trainers are, are overwhelmed and also... Um, I think I, the last stat I heard is that there are now not enough veterinarians. There's not enough dog trainers. I think now the stat is there's 5,000 dogs for, for one vet. You know what? Um, I, uh, we, we, so we moved here as you know, um, 
in the summer and I think it was in September, one of our cats got like a urinary thing and we went called the Bridgewater vet's office. And I mean, they literally were like, we are so overwhelmed, but we had two last minute cancellations. If you can bring your cat in now because it's an emergency, we'll, we'll look at it. But I've, I've talked to other people who are driving hours and hours away. And there was a brand new vets clinic that just opened up over here, I think in Caledonia. And within like a week, they were packed. They were full. They were full. That there's not enough, there's not enough uh, help and support for all of the animals that, that are Mm -hmm. out there now. And that's something I think I, I hope people will take into consideration. Like if you're thinking of getting a dog and, and I want to tell my listeners, so, uh, my, my, we, we now work from home and we will always work from home. There's no going to work for us. And, and we have an, a nice big rural property, but we sat down with, with Tracy as a family, Noah, Sean and I, we were like, you know, we were thinking maybe like, you know, want a, a noof, a big dog. And Tracy came in and was like, this is what they do. And this is what they need. And this is da, da, da. And yada, da, da. And like, what kind of energy, you know, your house is pretty quiet. And, and I have to thank you because we have thought, about it and we're like no that's not the breed for us it's not what we want and we're still everybody needs to do that right everybody needs to do that to have someone come in and say here's the reality of that what that's going to look like for you yeah because i mean like we we do have like you know a routine and it's like yeah i never thought about okay in the morning, I usually do this, this, and this, but in the morning, I'm going to have to take the animal for a walk or, you know, like, I think, I think it's, it's important. And, and again, also the, the thought of not being able to get a vet for the animals, a little stressful. And just, I mean, we don't have a family doctor here in Nova Scotia. That's stressful <laughs> Let alone enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe we can find a vet that will also, you know, help us out if we, you know, have a, need some antibiotics yeah, while you're in there, I also something. scraped my knee. Could you take a look at that I for me? I think I have an infection. Do those antibiotics yeah. work for us too? <laughs> but, well, I'll tell you one of the, one of the, I think the best questions that I ask people, especially if you're considering getting a dog, because people think about when they think about dogs, they think about, okay, well, who's going to walk the dog? Who's going to feed the dog? Who's going to train the dog, right? That's the, that's their big thing. But the bigger question is, and this is what I asked you guys, what is the dog going to be doing when you're doing nothing, right? Or when you're working or when, like, what is the dog going to do after say Noah has played with the dog for a while and now he wants to go on and play on his tablet or whatnot? What's the dog going to do then? Because it's the in-between moments of the things that you're doing with the dog that are the make or break, right? That's the make or break moments, right? When you're when you're walking the dog, the dog's going to enjoy the walk, right? When you're playing with the dog, the dog's going to enjoy being played with. What happens when you can't play with the dog? What happens when you're not walking the dog? What happens when you're not doing anything? What do you expect or see the dog doing? Because that's going to depend on what kind of breed you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Well, right? and the other thing that you brought up was, you know, although we work from home, I mean, when, when Noah's playing ball, we are traveling a lot. Do we want to have an animal like the an- either the animal has to come with us 
or one of us has to stay home with the animal. And then it made me reflect on, okay, but I see all these rescue dogs and all these poorly trained, aggressive, poor dogs that are not getting the attention they deserve. Do I want to bring another dog into that mix? Like that was a big one for me. I was like, do like, and then it was mostly like, am I going to be distracted by the dog and not going to be able to yell at my son when he's not running the bases as quickly as he should be? Cause that's not, that's a no go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or are you going to be the person that has the dog that gets off the leash and runs out to the baseball field, chasing the baseball? Oh my God. Is that going to, is that going to be die. you? <laughs> right. Right. Is that going to be, be you? that mom? Yeah. And then you're yeah. that mom that yells at the dog running around trying to get the dog off. You're the, the maniac. <laughs> you're the maniac screaming at the dog. Yeah. You do want to be that person. Yeah. There's so many things to think about because, um, you know, there are dogs that are going to do well in those environments and there are dogs that aren't. So, you know, you have to think about that. Well, I, I, I can't thank you enough for this. Um, I have wanted to share your story about working with the voice teacher and, and, um, can you, how did things work out for CC and, and her job? Her Oh, well, I have to say one of the, one of the things that made me so happy about this is, is that, you know, um, Cece's mom really took everything to heart, everything that I said, and she worked really, really hard on that. But one of the things that she also did is she reached out to her students and she said, here are the things that that Cece needs from you. And uh, she, I, I remember the next time I went to her house to pick up Cece, there was a big sign on the door that said, when you enter, you're not to look at the dog, talk to the dog, or pet the dog. And it was done for Cece, right? She was overstimulated by everybody. And by everybody taking that responsibility on and saying, okay, this is what I need to do for this dog to be successful. Cece became basically like her studio ambassador, right? She literally became the dog that nicely greeted everybody that sat quietly by feet. And, and, you know, she had her people that she allowed to pick up and, and, and we talked about, you know, the signs that a dog will give you that says, you know, it's okay for you to pick me up versus just doing it because you're small and I can. Right. So when everybody got on the same page and, you know, the thing was, is that they all loved her, even though she was attacking them, they all loved her. So it was really a group effort on all of the students part, as well as, you know, as well as Cece's mom to, to make sure that she advocated for her. Uh, but she literally became that little that that studio ambassador that was like part of the studio, which was, I think, the, the best story and the best outcome for her because because Cece had a job. Right. She knew her job was to nicely greet. She knew exactly what she was supposed to do. She would follow people to the door and see them out and then go back up to her little castle and then <laughs> sit there like a little princess that she was with her little feet sticking out of her castle. So. Well, I love that your I love that your client set those boundaries and was able to communicate that. I think that's I think that's important. If you I mean, if you are teaching from home or working from home and you are having clients in your house, um, you have to, you know, you have to communicate your business boundaries, but also safety boundaries, right? Like we Absolutely. have a dog, this dog needs this, I need you to do this, right? You know, because I can see I can see or maybe might have heard a little story about this, about, you know, a well-meaning parent thinking, oh, I'll bring in my dog and the two dogs can meet each other and that'll be great. And then you have this little 
fight that happens because we don't understand that we are a, you know, not in our space and we are bringing an intruder into their space. And yeah, yeah. it can, it can really, yeah. uh, it could really. And be- that happens, that happens a lot. That happens. Yeah. The, the, the reality of it is, is that people do not understand how dogs view the world. Right. They view the world as, you know, anything that is with them is with them. But if you're not with us, you're against us until it's proven otherwise. That's a good thing right? to remember. It, it It's one of the things I have to remind people all the time. That's why if, when you first walk up, if you're if you're a person that takes your dog to the dog park and you first walk to the gates of the dog park, every dog in that dog park that's been playing is now a temporary pack and you're an intruder. So when you come into that space, they all have to one check ID, right? They all have to check ID. They have to determine that you're okay to be there and then play can, can, can resume. But if you have a very shy, sensitive dog that enters the dog park and tucks their tail and sits down and doesn't let ID be checked, that's when you're going to get dog fights. Interesting. Happens all the time. So the same thing happens in your home and in your studio. Mm -hmm. And you have to look at that dogs don't see like, well, it's a dog or a person. They just see anybody coming into their space as a potential threat until other proven otherwise. So they need to, they need to like make sure that they know that everything's fine. You know, because of, because of the information you've always shared with us, one of the things I've always taught Noah is you never go up to a dog and pet it ever. Like you, you never run up or go up or you can't assume that that dog is, you know, and, and he's pretty good about that. I mean, he, he knows and we will always ask permission. And if, and you know, and I do the same thing, like I'm not going to pet your dog and, you know, unless I know it's okay. You know, what's funny is I will say that kids are better at that than, than adults. Oh, believe it or not. Yeah. The, I I will have kids that approach me all the time and say, is it okay for me to pet your dog? And I'll always say, yeah, absolutely. And thank you very much for asking. And then I teach them how to actually ask the dog. Right. So there's asking me. And then I, I actually teach kids. This is how you ask the dog. If the dog wants to be pet, but adults, Wow, there are a lot of adults out there that just assume that you have the right to touch whatever dog you want. And I am blessed to have, I have 17 dogs. None of them would mind uh, a single person coming up and, and bear hugging them, right? Like they, they, they love that. But that doesn't mean you should. Just, right. And I, can I just clarify, just so my listeners know, my sister lives on a farm. She has a very large property. And yes, she does have that many dogs, but it's 17 dogs. It's, yes. a, it's a big, it's a big property. Just, and yes. she has goats, horses, goats. What else? And a, a pig. Pig. Oh, right. The pig. I have a pig. Right. Yeah. And some have, barn cats. We have some cats. Yeah. We have we have quite the menagerie of, of animals here. So but just, when you drop the I've got 17 dogs, I think sometimes clarification is needed to like <laughs> just so I know. Um, I don't recommend it. Just so I always say that I have these um, I don't recommend that for people. I'm just saying that's what I have, but I don't recommend it. Now you perfect. have uh, you have some um, programs, online programs. I do uh, have some, and I would love for you because yeah. I I know that there's probably some people here that could really uh, use some of your uh, some of your resources and your strategies and your insight when it comes to their dogs. So let people know what they can find at beyondobedience dot 
C-A. C-A. Yes. Beyondobedience.ca is the website. And uh, I'm, I, I love, I love the name because, uh, I've always said that your dog is probably in a command 5% of their life. And what I work on is the other 95% of the dog's life, right? So beyondobedience.ca. And I think one of the best programs, especially in, in this environment, in this new COVID age of people working from home and, and being in their, in their home, would be a little program I have called Chaos to Calm. Doesn't that sound nice? Just chaos to to calm. Some of that, please. I don't have a dog, but if you could help me, yeah, yeah. This this program I actually designed um, right at the beginning of this of the pandemic, and the idea was being that a lot more people were at home and complaining about their dogs just creating chaos in their house. So this is actually a program teaching you one how to identify excitement triggers in your dog, but also it has, I think the absolute best command that you could ever teach your dog. We were talking about how, um, Cece's mom, we, we taught her how to give Cece a job and the job that we gave her was something that we call the place command. And the place command is probably by far, if I had to choose one command that every single person to teach their dog, it would be this one. And the reason for it is because it's so versatile and it, it allows so much freedom um, and it gives your dog that purpose in that job. So place command is literally just that. It's teaching your dog to go to place no matter what is going on around them. Um, and that is in this program, Chaos to Calm. Um, it is, uh, let me say, let me, how would I say that? I use this for grooming dogs to, to get dogs uh, used to being groomed. It's a great technique for getting your dog to be calm at the vet. If let's say uh, you were a person that wanted to take your dog to the sporting events, you could teach your dog place command and they would know that they have to go to place at the sporting event and be calm. It's not just staying still. It's actually, it's like doggy meditation. It's teaching your dog calm on command. So it's probably the most beneficial command I would say ever. Mm-hmm. And you teach that in the Chaos to Calm program. In Chaos to Calm, we teach that um, that particular exercise, as well as learning all about, as I mentioned, the triggers and whatnot that get your dog excited. Stuff like the doorbell, the you getting the dog leash, right? If you if you if you have a dog that jumps up and runs around all crazy as soon as you pick up a dog leash, we're going to talk about that. We talk about food, like feeding time. Um, all of that doorbell etiquette, all of that stuff. And the way that we we get the dog to to stay calm is by teaching place cam. I'm not going to lie. Place command, uh, it takes a bit of time to teach it okay, and to proof it. But once you do, it is the absolute best command that I think every single dog owner should know. Nice. Nice. Tracy, Tracy I want to thank you for this. Um, and... Uh, I, I think, you know, with, with everything going on and people being in their homes and, you know, even, even before COVID was a thing, I mean, so many people in our industry are 
working from home. Um, but I also know so many of, of my colleagues maybe have uh, moved from uh, a brick and mortar and are now teaching out of their homes and now they're navigating. Okay, well, I got a family to worry about and a pet to worry about. So I think this has been super helpful. I do want to have you back and not just because you're my amazing sister, but because I want to <laughs> learn more about the, uh, about some, the dog parks. We'll talk yeah. about, yeah, they're problematic, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. I, I don't I've recommend walked, it. I've walked past the dog parks and gone, that is just a mess. Yeah. And, we call them fight clubs. <laughs> oh my gosh. We call them fight clubs. Hey, yep, kids, let's take clubs. our kid to the, let's take the puppy to the fight club. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You heard it and here. And it's true. Oh, what my. happens at the fight club stays a fight club, right? Like, wow. It is. And, and it literally is just simply because people aren't paying attention. They're not reading the signs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much stuff that we could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you for all of this. I am going to put links in the show notes. Um, where can people find and follow you? I want to tell everybody, my sister does these amazing lives where you actually see her uh, with her pack walk with her 17 dogs, not all at once. Not at once. No, right. we do go out in groups. She goes out in groups, but she talks about different behaviors and what the dogs are doing and the, and the, and they're really fascinating. Where can people find and follow you on social media channels? You can follow me on Facebook. My Facebook page is beyond obedience. Mm-hmm. That's on, on Facebook uh, and Instagram. It's living beyond obedience at living beyond obedience. Nice. And, um, and I'm just going to put this out here cause I just started this week. Mm. I started doing TikToks. Good for you. It's so much fun. I'm not going to lie. It's so much fun. I'm like, I don't know if this is like, it's fun. So I've started. That's also at Tracy at Beyond Obedience. Nice. Um, it, it just just started. So I'm still learning the platform, but I figured <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun for the dogs because the one thing that I do say to people is that I don't take uh, dogs don't take you seriously. Dogs can joke and laugh at you falling and whatnot. Cats do. Yes. Cats get offended, but dogs <laughs> don't. So I don't take dog training that seriously and neither should you. So we do have a lot of fun on, on our, on TikTok now and, and on Facebook lives and that sort of thing. So, and I also have a YouTube channel. Okay. I'm going to put links to all of your socials. I know some of my listeners are definitely going to want to dive into uh, your, uh, your expertise, your insight, and uh, maybe a little bit of the shenanigans that are happening. The shenanigans that happen <laughs> when you live with 17 dogs. Oh my gosh. All <laughs> right. Well, Tracy, thank you so much. And well, you're my sister, so I have to talk to you later and stuff, but. Uh, yeah <laughs> that's true thanks for being a guest on the show i wanted to thank my sister tracy franken for taking time in between her pack walks to come and talk to me and share that wonderful information and please the in the show notes you can visit her website beyondobedience.ca and all of her socials um she is hilarious Uh, please follow her on the socials and you can see the work that she does behind the scenes with her dogs and the pack walks that she does and of course please check out her website now I also want to shout out to the entire full voice team right now my entire team are working around the clock and um, and that is on in in uh, three different countries by the way so (laughs) 
<laughs> we are currently working on a new website and I am so excited. Uh, we outgrew our website and now that we have a global audience and teachers from around the world that are looking to use our resources, we want to make sure that we can serve everybody with a fun and easy to navigate um, new websites. So uh, look for that probably mid-February is our goal. Uh, we're working around the clock and I want to shout out to my team, to Mim and Sean and Heidi and of course our web uh, designer Robin Heber who has been uh, just amazing to work with. We're so excited. So friends, keep your eye out for the new Full Voice Music website. It's going to be fun and fabulous and easier than ever to navigate. So thank you to all my team for working so hard. My friend, my colleague, I know that you are also working really hard right now. I hope that you're finding some uh, great strategies and tips and inspiration from the podcast. That's what it's for. It's for you, the voice teacher that's working so hard, especially through these tough times. So um, I'm sending you a virtual hug from Nova Scotia, Canada, and I am wishing you happy singing, inspired teaching. And if you've got a, if you got a puppy near you, give your, give your puppy uh, a big, a big hug for me. Uh, have a wonderful week and I'll see you in a couple weeks. All right. So you got you got your microphone. You're all set up there. I yeah. You can hear me, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah okay, no, it sounds good. Good, good, good. Now, I guess we should discuss whether or not I disclose that you are my sister. No, <laughs> no? I don't think you should. <laughs> we don't tell people that in public, do we? Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, it's funny. It was funny when Sarah, Sarah made a reached out and she was like, I just want everybody to know that Nikki's sister is amazing. And I was like, Oh, no, our worlds have collided. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna have to kill all these people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I had we had that when we did that interview. I did that interview with you. And I had to be like, um, you're my sister. Right. And it was said with the <laughs> like if the look of the look of sadness it's like yeah <laughs> yeah like mm, you're my sister oh. like i don't know I, you know does it change the credibility of stuff i don't know you know what I mean, the fact here's well and you know it's funny too because i had sean i had sean on the podcast a little while ago but like i don't know anybody that doesn't love microphones and knows as much about microphones <laughs> as my husband so I think it would be irresponsible not to have him on the podcast. And I know there's people out there and be like, ooh, she just has her family on there. But I'm like, Nepotism. I bet you, you have <laughs> bet you have a mean dog too. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever right. heard Mark's little thing about him and his role and how he's the B side of the record? No. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, he did a th he did a whole thing about how you know he's a silent partner beyond obedience. But you know, if you think about back in the day when you got the forty fives and you had the song that you wanted was on the A side of the record, and then there was always another song that was on the B side that you were like, eh, I don't really care, but it's there. It's so there. I'll whatever. listen to it sometimes. Yeah, he was like, that's how I feel whenever I have to do the dogs. <laughs> I'm the B side of the record. <laughs> like, you know, the A side's not here. <laughs> 
our poor husbands. Right? Well, I'm going to tell people that you're my sister, whether they like it or not, because they're going to love the information that you give. All right. Well, then we'll go with that. I guess I'll tell people you're my sister. <laughs> it's a good thing that this is an audio, because look what I'm giving you right now. <laughs> You're welcome. And I'm hanging up the Zoom call. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. All right.